This is a news update on University of Portsmouth Research, brought to you by Life Solved. I'm Glenn Harris. Today I speak to Christina Filippou, a principal lecturer in accounting, and her role in Fair Game, a new project which is bringing together clubs, fans and academia looking to call for change across football at all levels. A lot of these organisations are still run like they're, you know, your local football club. And they are multi-million, multinational businesses. So this week sees the launch of a Fair Game initiative, um, which is involving clubs from across the English Football League. And it's hoping to have a real impact for fans, for football clubs and the game as a whole, isn't it? Yes, that's right. The whole organisation is based around the idea of getting different perspectives in. So it's led by clubs. There were 23 at last count, but I think there's been a couple more that have come on board since. So collaborating with a whole bunch of researchers around various aspects of sports, so sport finance, sport governance, those kind of things, and trying to have an impact, like you say, in football in the UK to avoid some of the issues we've seen. So Bury and Macclesfield Town were clubs that had existed for a long time and went under as a result of effectively issues not related to football itself, to the kind of backroom governance side. So what role do you play within the project, Christina? I've come on board as Director of Policy at the moment. I initially had come on board as one of the advisors, looking at the kind of governance side of the game and what policies we could propose. Now my role is to basically oversee the academics side of stuff. So we've got a whole bunch of various academics from around the country and further beyond and certain topics that we're interested in and we get input from them and kind of put forward actual policy to 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 help change. And you've actually recently been able to do that to quite a significant set of stakeholders and policy formers, haven't you? Yes, it's very exciting. Uh, last week, a few of us from Fair Game were able to uh, present to members of the fan-led review uh, what's happening in the UK is we've got uh, a fad-led review led by government, led by Tracy Crouch, and they are looking to see what the issues are in football at the moment and how they can potentially change. And in her interim report over the summer, Tracy Crouch specifically was talking about things like an independent regulator and various aspects of the game. And that linked very nicely to what policies we had proposed at Fair Game so the meeting was effectively a sort of fact-finding mission from their perspective and for us to pitch our ideas to carry forward into policy. And what are some of the changes that you're hoping to affect through Fair Game? What are the, what are the changes that you'd want to see football look like in 5, 10, 20 years' time? <laughs> it depends on whose perspective you look at it from. I know the clubs are interested in kind of long-term sustainability, so looking at things like redistribution of finances to avoid some of the issues we're seeing in terms of massive losses being made across the pyramid at the moment. From a sort of more policy perspective, we're looking to encourage good governance and everything that comes with it. So things like better diversity and inclusion across the board, non-executive director type roles to have an extra perspective in there, 
things around actually monitoring rules that exist already to make sure that people actually you know, abide by them because there are a lot of issues where the rules exist but aren't necessarily put into practice. Things around changes to owners and directors tests. So we're looking at it more from a kind of long-term approach to good governance, effectively. That sounds really interesting. How closely are kind of a business world and a sports world connected through these types of issues? (laughs) Well, Part of the massive issue in sport is that sports see themselves as a completely separate industry. They look at themselves as special and there is evidence that show that they are, you know, um, they are special. There aren't many sports that you can think of that uh, people willingly pay to buy your uniform, for example, right? And also the the fact that it encourages, you know, watching elite sport does encourage people to play sport, which is, of course, very good for health. Um, and obviously that's very good from a government perspective because you decrease costs in things like healthcare, etc. However, sport has become far more of a business, especially in the last decade or two, there's been a lot of money that suddenly come in. And the problem is a lot of these organizations are still run like they're, you know, your local football club or, um, you know, a small organization. And they are multi-million, multinational businesses. And so actually there needs to be more of an alignment with industry and with what happens in other industries where there are more controls, there are regulators, there are people that are looking at whether the rules are being implemented or not. On the commercial side, they've moved in leaps and bounds. But on the actual professionalizing side of things, especially in terms of controls, in terms of finances, in terms of what professionals you get in there, there's still are elements of sort of old boys club or same old, same old, and without actually sort of moving into a sort of multinational organization space, which is what they actually are. And in terms of kind of the fans' involvement, how much will they be part of this? Interestingly enough, we've got a few of the uh, supporters' organisations, supporters' trusts, on board with Fair Game. I think most of the academics are fans. The fan-led review itself is obviously the government side are speaking to pretty much every supporters' trust in the country, looking at things from from their perspective. So it's very interesting. You're obviously going to get some differences in views and stuff, but there are certain things that most people are aligned on and where people don't want to end up is with clubs going under, hearts of communities being ripped out because of effectively financial issues. And financial issues, that's been a core aspect of kind of recent research and other research you've been doing, looking at the financial impact on football clubs. Can you tell us a little bit about that work and how you can perhaps bring that into fair game? Yeah, so there's there's, there's two aspects. So with one of my colleagues, Adam Cox, we are looking at various aspects of uh, finances from a sort of economic perspective. And we've been recently looking at the resilience of football clubs to economic recessions. People aren't spending as much money as they could potentially do 
on entertainment, on going to matches, on merchandise and all the other things and sponsorship and all the commercial side of things as well. And we've got a paper that's due to be published next year on that. So look out for that. And then on the other side, I've done a lot of research on the sort of governance side of things, specialist subject, <laughs> bribery and corruption in sport, what governance structures sport governing bodies can put in place to stop issues relating to poor governance, in effect, because a lot of the anti-corruption controls are linked to stopping issues happening and linked to good governance. So I've got those two areas and they very nicely intersect at Fair Game where we're kind of looking at both those areas. And in terms of that, the impact on football clubs you were talking about, it's people just say, oh, it's just going to be the smaller clubs. You cite examples of clubs like Barry, but it's not just the small clubs that are affected by this, is it? No, and, and, and that's the issue. I mean, the, uh, the work that we've been doing with Adam, we surprisingly found that effectively only Arsenal looks pretty good in terms of resilience to financial shocks. If you look at the finances in the Premier League, it's not a good picture. They're making mass losses across the board as well. So it is across the pyramid. And we have, unfortunately, you know, given that we are at the University of Portsmouth, Portsmouth Football Club have the dubious honour of being the only club that actually went into administration while in the Premier League. So it can happen to clubs at the top. And next year we see the World Cup taking place in Qatar. And there's been a, a huge um, kind of range of issues associated with that particular tournament. Has your research looked at that particular tournament or events like the Olympics, for example? Yeah, so I've been looking at, well, pretty much exactly that. Uh, recently, I was looking at what kind of prevention techniques would be useful to stop issues like some of the things we've heard about uh, the Qatar World Cup and, and other issues that have arisen, especially with large events over the years linked to corruption. I've spoken to specialists in anti-bribery and corruption. I've spoken to sports governance officials and I've spoken to a um, number of stakeholders in sports, so journalists and people that work in clubs, etc., there was a lot of the same issues coming out again and again throughout my research. People had particular concerns around construction. So construction of the stadia, of the, you know, Olympic village type stuff and how those things were awarded. A lot around, again, independence of policy making, independence of those that make decisions and how that can be fixed. For example, by having, you know, independent non-executive directors or outsourcing decisions to independent bodies or having independent bodies monitoring things and then obviously having uh, controls around conflict of interest. The good news is we are seeing some improvements. So another paper that I did, I was looking at policies of, of sport governing uh, bodies over the years particularly uh, FIFA and the uh, International Tennis Federation had made mass improvements in the last few years in terms of bringing in some more robust policies around these issues. So we are seeing some positive change. I mean, there's still a long way to go, but we are seeing some positive change in those regards. 
it sounds like things are moving in the right direction, which is which is great, albeit slowly, but at least they are moving. So how did you get into this area of research? What was what kind of drew you to this particular topic? I've always been a sports fan. I've always played sport. I've always watched sport. I've always tried to get involved in sport in every way I can throughout my life. Prior to working at the University of Portsmouth, I was a forensic accountant at Deloitte, and I spent many years working on various investigations, uh, especially with uh, regulators, but also I worked on a large uh, bribery and corruption investigation. And that sort of kind of got me thinking about the whole thing. So when I came over to Portsmouth and started looking at what things I could research, I thought, well, you know, bribery and corruption and governance have always been my working role and kind of the practical knowledge that I have. And combined it with my love of sport and I got <laughs> to where I am today. That sounds fascinating. So what next for you? What next, what's your next kind of area of research coming up? More on bribery and corruption, still looking at football finance as well. Also looking at things like legacy, sort of Olympic legacy and the financial side and issues around that and women's football finance and governance. Uh, excellent. We'll make sure to look out for those over the coming months. Well, it's been fascinating speaking to you this afternoon, Christina. Really interesting to hear about that and some of the kind of issues and challenges facing kind of sport in this country, but globally as well. And look forward to seeing some of those uh, much needed changes coming into place. Let's hope so. Thanks, Glenn. To find out more about news, events and research from the University of Portsmouth, go to port.ac.uk or follow us at Portsmouth Uni on Twitter and Instagram.